Amen. Let's pray. Father, we bless you tonight. Thank you, Lord, for the opportunity to be in the house of God tonight. Lord, we could be anywhere. We've chosen to be here. Lord, because we love you. And Lord, we pray that you would pour out your spirit upon us tonight. Lord, I thank you for the moving of your Holy Spirit. Thank you, Lord. You are the lifter of our burdens, Lord. You break off the shackles of condemnation and guilt and shame. And Lord, you restore. You restore us even in desert seasons. Lord, we bless you tonight. I pray, God, for your anointing to to minister the word of God, that your word, Lord, would, would have rule and reign in this place, accomplishing what you desire. Lord, I ask for that anointing to preach and teach as you desire. And we all ask for the anointing, that we can hear and receive all that the Spirit is speaking to us tonight. Lord, we ask it in Jesus' mighty name. Everybody says, hallelujah. So 1 Thessalonians chapter 2, we're going to be back in this uh, tonight in verse number 11, 1 Thessalonians chapter 2. Let's, let's begin in verse number 11 and read the word. It says, as you know, how we exhorted and comforted and charged every one of you as a father does his children, that you would walk worthy of God who has called you unto his kingdom and glory. That's a good calling, isn't it? You've been called to his kingdom and his glory. That's a good calling. Amen. You know, there's people that 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 right now, right now, there's people that are in a bar somewhere. There's people that are uh, in a jail cell somewhere. They are not not on the road to heaven. But somewhere, somehow, somebody's going to get the word of God to them. They're going to get saved and they're going to receive this call. Aren't you glad that you heard the call? Aren't you glad that you heard the call? There was a call, and you heard it, and you responded to it. Amen. And I'm so glad that somebody took the time to tell you and me about Jesus. The best news I ever heard in my life is that even though I was a sinner, I could be forgiven by the blood of Jesus. That he died for my sins, and he rose on the third day, and he's alive today interceding for me. And that I don't have to live alone, but that the Holy Spirit would come and abide within. I'm so thankful for the Holy Spirit in my life. Amen. Many people walk unworthy. Many people walk like a heathen. My grandma used to call me that all the time. This is before I got saved. Heathen. But how sad is it that folks in the church walk below the calling of God? He said he wants you to walk worthy of your calling to that kingdom and glory. That's what you've been called to. In other words, stand up straight. Amen. Stand up straight. Lift your head. Walk right. Talk right. Live right. Live humbly before God. Be holy unto God. Be filled with the Spirit of God. You know, that's a command. Don't be drunk with wine, but be filled with the Spirit. That's a command. It's not suggestion. And if you're not filled with the Spirit of God, 
you're not walking right before God. You're not walking worthy. Pastor, you're just stepping all over my toes. God said walk worthy. People need to be touched by God. Amen? And I, you know what? I only, I have a limited amount of, of cheerfulness. I have a limited amount of joy, but God don't. Amen? And when, when the Spirit of God fills me up, guess what? It overflows from me to other people. And you know what other people need around you? There's people in your life, you know what they need? They need to drink from the cup you're drinking from. They need to drink from that saucer of the Holy Spirit. Amen? Walk worthy. You've been bought. Amen. You've been bought. Walk worthy. There's a lot into that. You've also been called to be an ambassador for God. It's one of the reasons why we do some of the things we do. We, we do things for a purpose. Everything that you do should be on purpose. You shouldn't do anything happenstance. As a child of God, your life has been purchased. Every minute that you live right now was purchased by the blood of Jesus. And it's supposed to be about he in you being Lord through you touching others. Every minute that I live is supposed to be on target, planned. Amen. Walk worthy. It says in verse number 13, for this cause also, we thank God without ceasing because when you received the word of God, which you heard of us, you received it not as the word of men, but as it is in truth, the word of God, which effectually worketh also in you that believe. I want to key in on this effectually working part because this is the part I believe God wants you to give is that his desire is to do a work in you. Amen. His desire is to do a work in you effectually. So not just a surface thing. How many of you know sometimes we can clean up the surface? We can clean up the surface. I remember whenever we got married, uh, I, we, we realized when... I talk about cleaning and my wife talks about cleaning. We're talking about two different things back then. I'm talking about surface cleaning, like pick stuff up, put it under, a, put it under the shelf, <laughs> put it here, put it there, clear it out. She's talking about get some bleach out, scrub the baseboard. She's talking about clean that thing, right? Amen. And you know the way it is with God, he's not looking at just a surface level modification in your life, but he's, he's talking about getting down into the root and matter of who you are. The Word of God, it says that it comes down in, and it divides between soul and spirit. It gets down into the very root of who you are, and that anointing will begin to cut away the things that are not of God. Maybe it's been something that you went through in your past. Maybe it's been this or that, but the, the Word of God and that anointing will get down into the root of who you are, and only God can take that thing out. Amen? Only God can take that thing out. There's some of us, we carry around burdens, guilt. We carry around a load of guilt and shame that only God can remove. And you need to know that God's desire is that you would receive his word. Once you receive the word and you say yes to God and you begin to receive the word, it begins to do a work effectually in you. It begins to do an effectual work in you. So the part I want you to see in this is that somewhere, at some point in time, somebody told you about God. Can I get a witness? Amen. Amen. I'm talking to church folks then. Somewhere, somebody at some point in time gave you the word, you received it. It began to do a work in you, right? Amen. Amen. Aren't you glad that they didn't withhold the word? 
I'm so thankful that somebody had the audacity to tell me I was a sinner. How dare you? I'm thankful. If somebody told me the truth. It's like if you got a splinter, right? You can't just put a Band-Aid on that thing. You need to get tweezers on that thing. I don't want tweezers. I don't want tweezers. You got to get it out. And that's what the word of God does. And, and, and I'm so thankful that somebody had the audacity to tell me I was on the road to hell. I'm so thankful that somebody had the audacity to tell you, you were on the road to hell. Amen. In other words, what I'm trying to get you to see is that nobody withheld truth from you. But they gave you the truth because that's what you needed. That's, that was the mechanism God used to do an effectual work in your life. God used the truth of the Word of God. The truth of the Word of God came to you, and when you received it, it set you free. It delivered you. It broke off addictions and bondages. It gave you new life. It brought freedom where there once was bondage. It brought freedom where you once were held captive. The effectual working of God came to you when you received the word of God. Somebody told you something about Jesus. You might not have memorized anything else, but somebody said Jesus saves, and you might have said, he can? But somebody brought you good news, and you received it. Amen? One of the things I'm just so thankful for is that nobody withheld it from me. You know, somebody probably thought, man, that guy's messed up. I really don't want to give him a bad day, so I'm not going to tell him the truth. I don't know about you, but I'm glad nobody thought like that. I'm glad nobody thought like that around me, but they were willing to give me the truth because that's what I needed. I needed to hear from God. I needed to know the truth about who God is, what he said. But the, the other part is I had to receive it. But nobody withheld it from me. Let me tell you something. You know what? He's given us, he's given you the same Bible that he gave D.L. Moody, Charles Spurgeon, John Wesley. He's given you the same Bible that was used to orchestrate the revival at Azusa Street. He's given you the same Bible that saved your grandma. He's given you the same Bible that saved your great-grandparents. Amen. He's given you the same Bible. It hasn't changed. He didn't take anything out. God hasn't taken anything out of this. It's the same. The same Bible that was penned back then is the same Bible we have today. It hasn't changed. Amen. And it does the same thing. If God ever has moved mountains, he still moves mountains. If God has ever healed anybody, he still heals people. Amen. If he ever speaks a word of prophecy, he still speaks a word of prophecy. Amen. If he's ever done a work, he still does a work. And the way that he does a work is through the truth of his word. The truth of his word. Amen. But you've got to receive it. You've got to receive it. Turn, turn with me to Titus chapter 2. Let me show you this. Titus chapter number 2. Go back to First and Second Timothy, Titus chapter number two. The verse we talk about quite a bit, but one of the things that that you see over here in Titus is that 
the grace of God, it says in verse 11, Titus chapter 2, verse 11, it says, The grace of God that brings salvation appeared to all men, teaching us that denying ungodliness and worldly lusts, we should live soberly, righteously, and godly in the present world, looking for that blessed hope and glorious appearing of the great God and our Savior, Jesus Christ, who gave himself for us, that he might redeem us from all iniquity and purify unto himself a peculiar people, zealous of good works. What I want you to see is that the word of God, the, the grace of God appeared to all men. That's when Jesus is lifted up on the cross. Jesus saves. John three sixteen. Jesus delivers. Jesus sets free. The grace of God is available to all people. It, it's available to, to people in Louisiana and Texas. It's available to people that's Canadian and American. It's available to people in Asia and Indonesia. It doesn't matter who you are, where you're from. The grace of God appears to all men, Jew, Gentile, barbarian, Scythian, male, female. It don't matter if you're a human being. God wants to save you, and he sent the word to you, and the grace of God appeared. And, and, and then Paul kind of changes it. He says it teaches us, though. See, a lot of people hear the word of God, but they don't receive it. I mean, there was times in my life when I heard the word of God a lot of times, but I didn't receive the word of God. And one of the things that we need to know and understand is that there's people around us, maybe even people in here tonight or people that'll, that'll listen to this, but the reason why they don't have the power of God is because they won't receive the word of God for what it is. They just hear it. They let it go in one ear and out the other. They, they let it tickle their ears. Another place Paul says, you know, the, the, um, these people, they have a knowledge of God, but they don't know the power. They deny the power of God. They know about God. They've heard the things of God. They like to hear good stories. They like to hear good sermons. Come on, preach it. They like to do all that. But, you know, it's different when you actually receive it because that's when the Word of God actually begins to teach you. That's when God tells me who I am. I am who I am. Because that's who he says I am. I'm not who I am because I think I am. It's who he tells me I am. And how do I know that? I got to go to his word. I got to see, you know what? I've been set free. I'm an overcomer. Amen. But the, the word of God has been given to many people. Especially in America, the word of God has been given to many people, but it it affects, it affects those that receive it. It does a work in those that receive it. And I want to encourage you on something tonight. Jesus told us over there in Acts, which we talked about, he told the early church, he said, tarry in Jerusalem till you're endued with power. And see, whenever they were tarrying in Jerusalem, that's something that you've got to do. God is God desires to pour out his Holy Spirit on you. But he desires, first of all, that you obey the first part of that verse. Terry, Terry, until you're endued. And some of us, we don't have the fire of God anymore. We're just running off steam from 30 years ago. Some of us, we don't have any anointing anymore. Some of us, we don't have any consecration. We're, we just, we know what we should do, so we're just kind of going through the motions. Can I tell you, you're not fooling God. 
You're not fooling God. Say, Lord, I've been going through the motions, but I need your word to teach me. Teach me, Lord. I want to receive that word and teach me. And if you'll tarry before God and wait on God, he will pour out his spirit upon you. God is good. You can't put God in a box. You can't put God on a timer. God will wait you out. If you try to put God on a timer and you got three minutes and 47 seconds, Lord, you got three minutes and and 40 seconds now, Lord. You got three minutes and 30 seconds now, Lord. God's not going to do with that. God's not going to do with that. But if you'll just tarry, just wait on God. Just wait on God. He'll meet you in that place. And you won't have to go through life the way that you are now. God will empower you. He said, tarry until you're endued with power. Now, the word we're talking about here tonight is effectually working. But the word power in Acts chapter 1, it means dynamite. It's the dunamos. That's what that word means. It's the wonder-working power. It's an explosive power of God. You know, God will call you to do things in his power. That means he'll put you in a situation that in the natural you can't get out of, that you're going to have to lean on the arm of the Lord. You're going to have to lean on the spirit of the Lord. There may be a crisis in your marriage. There may be a crisis in your body. There may be a crisis in your family. There may be a crisis in your nation, a crisis in your church. And God's waiting on people to get filled with the spirit of God so that his power will begin to work in the world today. God's desires to work in our world, but he uses people like us if we'll be teachable, if we'll be teachable. And the word of God here says that the grace of God appears to all of us, but it teaches us. It teaches us. You know, one of the things that I, I think of at, at this point in time is that there's many people that have heard the word of God, but they are unchanged by it. Two people can hear the same message and one person be excited, one person be receiving from God, and the other person be thinking about bills they got to pay tomorrow. The other person be thinking about this or that. And who's going to, they both hear it, but who's actually going to be changed by it? The one that receives the word. You could have the best preacher in the world, but if you don't receive it, you're not going to be changed. Amen. You you can, look, we're in January, so everybody's got a new Bible plan. Everybody's, you know, everybody does a new thing, a new this and a new that. But you know what? If you won't receive the word, it won't help you none. You, you have to decide whatever that word says, I'm going to apply to my life. Whatever the word says, I'm going to apply to my life. Let me tell you about someone in Mark chapter 6. Turn with me over to Mark chapter 6. Herod, Herod, King Herod, he had a good preacher. He had a good preacher. His preacher was John the Baptist. Jesus said John the Baptist was the greatest of all the prophets. How about that? He's the greatest of all the prophets. John the Baptist is the greatest. And that's who Herod had for a pastor, (laughs) a preacher. How about that? You think it helped him out? Nope. Nope. But I will say this. Evidently, John the Baptist had some good sermon illustrations. Could Herod like to listen? Maybe he had a, a, some good jokes. Maybe he did a Bible study with the current most popular TV show about Jesus. 
Maybe he had good lighting effects. No. No, he was just preaching truth. No jokes. No stories. No illustrations. Just preaching. And John the Baptist had his head cut off. Now, most people think most people think that, that you're doing good ministry when lots of people love you. Look at John the Baptist. Jesus called him the greatest, and he died alone in a prison without his head on. So let that sink in. Now, let me touch on this tonight. Mark chapter 6, let's begin in verse number 14. It says, King Herod heard of him. I was talking about Jesus, for his name was spread abroad. And he said that John the Baptist was risen from the dead. And therefore, mighty works do show forth themselves in him. And others said that it's Elijah and others that it's a prophet or as one of the prophets. Everybody's trying to figure out who Jesus was. And Herod believes that Jesus is John the Baptist raised from the dead. Verse 16, but when Herod heard thereof, he said, it is John whom I beheaded. He's risen from the dead. For Herod himself had sent forth and laid hold upon John, bound him in prison for Herodias' sake, his brother Philip's wife. His brother Philip's wife, for he had married her. He had married her. Okay, so you got a situation here where one man takes his brother's wife, which is against the law. How many of you know just because, just because it says he married her? Oh, they, were, they exchanged vows. They got a piece of paper from, uh, you know, from the state. It says they're married. It's signed, sealed, delivered. It's a done deal. Not in John the Baptist's eyes. Not in God's eyes. It says in the next verse, For John had said unto Herod, It is not lawful for thee to have thy brother's wife. Therefore Herodias had a quarrel against him and would have, him, would have killed him, but she could not. This is the part I want you to see. For Herod feared John, knowing that he was a just man and holy, and observed him. And when he heard him, he did many things and heard him gladly. I want you to catch something. Herod knew John the Baptist was a man of God. He knew he was a man of God, and it says, and he heard him gladly. But he didn't receive the word. You see, one of the things I want to caution you about, I believe God wants you to get this tonight, is that there's, there's a, a, a propensity in the church world that we like to hear new things and we like to hear new illustrations and we like to, to see different things in the Bible. But if we don't allow those things to change us, to take root in us, if we don't receive those words to ourselves and allow God to do what he needs to do in us, then we can get hard-hearted. And Herod here ended up getting hard-hearted towards God. And see, every time the word is preached, every time God is worshipped, something should be happening. 
You should be confronted with something. You should be stirred up about something. Every time the word is preached and the anointing's there and the songs go forward, it should be due. A devil should get mad. Amen. A devil should get mad. And the Holy Ghost should be pointing out things in our lives. Amen. If we get in the presence of God, God's going to put his finger on some things. Why? Because he loves you. He loves you. And he wants to put his finger on things to, to remove those things so that he can have more of you. There might be unforgiveness in your life. It's not that God don't love you. He wants to get that out of the way so that he can have more of you. And use you more. He wants to have more of you. He loves you. He wants to pour out his goodness upon you. But if you hold on to trivial things like unforgiveness, bitterness, envy, if you, you hold on to these things, then you're not going to have all of God. The thing I want you to see is that Herod, Herod knew that John the Baptist was a man of God. He heard the word of God gladly, but he would not receive it to himself. And what was the word? Well, there's many different sermons that John the Baptist preached, but the one that he would not receive is that it's not lawful for you to marry that woman. How many of you know it's, it's all good whenever the preacher's preaching on somebody else's lawn? When the preacher comes over to your house, it's different. <laughs> all right, let's see what God wants to speak to you, right? I remember a minister was telling me one time, he said that they had an evangelist that would come in and that evangelist God used with words and knowledge. And he said that that, that evangelist, he'd be preaching and he'd be calling stuff out. He, you know, God give him a word. And, you know, a word of knowledge is, if you're not living right, a word of knowledge will hit you. If you're not living right, when the Spirit's moving and the word of knowledge comes forward, God's going to pull that thing out. And he said whenever that man would come, he said he would hide. He would hide because <laughs> he knew that, that that gift was in that man. How many of you know God's greater than that gift that was in that man? And when you get close to God, God will begin to put his finger on things. Amen. Well, this, this Herod, he liked some of the things that he liked some of the messages from John the Baptist. Oh, man, keep telling them to repent. Yes, you know, we need a change in the nation. Yes, keep telling them that. Keep telling them that. And then John the Baptist turns around and says, and it ain't right for you to have her as your wife. Now, you know what? Let's just call this meeting adjourned. Herod said, I'm done with this meeting. I'll point out just one small point just to, uh, you know, just to show you just because somebody has a, 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 a wedding certificate, just because they've been licensed by the state, it doesn't mean it's ordained of God. And I'm talking specifically about two men and two women. Just because they can get a certificate from the state don't mean anything in God's eyes. It's not of God. God's not going to honor it. God said he, he made male and female. He created them male and female. And, and every, uh, every time marriage is mentioned in the Bible, it's a man and a woman. It's never two men, never two women. God condemned that all throughout the Old Testament and even in the New. Now, one of the things I want you to see, though, I want you to see is that it says Herod observed him. Notice it says that he, he observed him. And he heard him. And he did many, many things and heard him gladly. The part I want you to see 
You see, Herod, Herod was watching John the Baptist. John the Baptist didn't make the message of God palatable. See, when you get around certain people, you might nix words. If you know somebody around you is dealing with a certain sin and so you don't talk about it, I don't want to stir that up. I don't want to talk about it. You don't have this, that, that spirit that was in John the Baptist. You see, we, when, when you get around things and, and you know that these things need to be said, you need to let the spirit of God effectually work in you. Why am I telling you that? Because Herod was given an opportunity to get right with God. Herod is not going to be able to stand before God. How many of you know he's been dead for about 2,000 years? So he's, he's, he's been in judgment right now for 2,000 years. And he's not going to be able to stand before God and say, well, nobody ever told me that I couldn't marry her. He's not going to be able to say that. You know why? Because somebody had the audacity to give him the word of truth. Somebody had the audacity to give him the word of truth. Now, what he does with it is between him and God. But John the Baptist had to do his job. Amen. And that's what we have to do as men and women of God. There's people around us that are, that are on the brink of hell. Sin is serious to God. When Isaiah was standing in the presence of God in Isaiah 6, he, he could not even speak. He was ready to die. He said, woe is me. I'm undone. I'm a man of unclean lips. I'm in the presence of God. God is holy, holy, holy. Sin is a very serious matter in the kingdom of God. It's not serious in the church world today. It's not serious in America today, but it's still serious in the kingdom of God. And there's only one way that sin is dealt with. That cross that Jesus died on. It paid the price for every sin. Amen. It paid the price for every sin. But John the Baptist, he, he didn't withhold the truth from Herod. So Herod now has been judged for 2,000 years. And he's not able to say one iota to God. Because John the Baptist brought him the truth. And if he would have received it, he could have done something about his marriage, but he'd rather have his sin than God. Sometimes people make that detrimental decision. But we've got a job to do, and that is to bring people truth so that God can do a work in them. Did you hear that? So that God can do a work in them. We've got a job to do, which is to bring people the truth because God wants to do a work in them. God's not done with them. If they're alive, God's not done with them. If they're alive, God's not done with them. They're never going to get it. They're addicted to this. They're never going to get it. They're back into this. They're never going to get it. They've, they've said this and they've said that. If they're alive, God's not done with them. They need the truth so that God can do a work in them. God wants to do an effectual work in your children. He wants to do an effectual work in your parents. He wants to do an effectual work in your siblings, in your neighbors. He wants to do an effectual work in us. And what we need is the truth so that God can do it. Amen? He works when people receive that truth. Again, 
that where we started at was in First Thessalonians chapter 2. Now, how many of you know that we've been called to preach what God tells us to preach? Let me cover this real quick, and I'm going to jump back in this. Turn, we're in Mark. Turn with me to Matthew chapter 10. Let me just show you this real quick. I just feel led of the Lord to, to bring this in. Jesus here in Matthew chapter 10 was talking about preaching. Matthew chapter 10, verse number 27. He said, what I tell you in darkness, what I tell you in darkness, that speak you in light. And what you hear in the ear, that preach you upon the housetops. So what Jesus is saying here is, I'm going to tell you some things, and I'm not telling you just so that you can get the heebie-jeebies. I'm telling you stuff. God is depositing things in you. How many of you have been learning some things about God? How many of you are growing in God? God is depositing things in you because he desires that you begin to proclaim those things to others. God wants to see kingdom advancement, and God's going to use you to do it. God wants to use you to do it. Now, the word preach here does not mean live in such a way that others ask you. The word preach here does not mean smile. The Greek word for preach is caruso. Caruso. It means cry aloud. Preaching means using your voice and lifting it up. That's what the word means. So Jesus here is telling us that he's going to tell you stuff. And you know, they didn't have one of these nice leather-bound, Holman, ultra-thin, large-print King James Bibles. They just had the word spoken. They were writing down on parchment as it went. And he's saying, what I tell you in your ear, what you hear preach and you know what the spirit of god as you read the word of god the spirit of god is is speaking that into your ear jesus said he that has ears to hear let him hear if you have eyes to see let them see but if you have ears to hear let them hear and when you turn to god and you get into the word of god the word of god will get into you but god's doing it for a twofold reason one god wants to do an effectual work in you Two, God wants to do an effectual work in others. God will put in you a deposit, an anointing, and he'll give you that truth because God wants you to be free. God wants you to be set free. He doesn't want you to have any ought inside you. He doesn't want things in there that ought not be. God wants you to be whole. He wants you to be delivered. He wants you to walk in victory. He wants you to be the head and not the tail. He wants you to be the one that is that is going forward in the kingdom of God. That's what God wants for you because he loves you. His goodness is for you. His spirit will empower you and enable you. But you've got to say yes to God. And when you receive that word, Jesus then says, if you hear in your ear, preach. If you hear in your ear, preach on the housetops. That means Jesus expects the church. Jesus expects the church to not be the frozen chosen in the four walls, but to be the out out in the community spreading the word of God spreading the word of God amen 
I want to tell you, I want to tell you this. There's, there's people in your life that know about God, but they don't know the power of God. They don't know the power of God. Amen. Amen. And God wants to do something about it. And he's looking right square at you. There's people in your life that know about God, but they don't know the power of God. And God wants to do something about it. And guess who he's looking at? Looking at us. Saying, isn't it time? Isn't it time to let go and let God? Isn't it time to get a hold of that altar and not let go till you get in due with power? Isn't it time to just say, Lord, have all of me. I'm not going to be holding anything back. I'm not going to make your message palatable. I'm not going to make it try to be pleasing in the ear. I'm not going to try to contort your message so that it fits society. What I hear, I'll preach. What I hear, I'll preach. Well, it cost John the Baptist his life. He did exactly what Jesus said. Cost him his life, but guess what? What if he would have lived 10 more years? Say he's been in heaven now for 2,010 years. What if he's only been in heaven for 2,000 years? You think that matters? You think that extra 10 years matters right now? He's been in glory for 2,000 years. You think an extra 10 years on his life matters? One iota? For 2,000 years, he's been in glory. It cost him a few years of his life to stand up for God and to preach the truth. But what? Now he's got a reward. I don't think he went to heaven with his head held down. Amen? I would think when he walked into those pearly gates that all the angels said, there's a man of God right there. Welcome home, good and faithful servant. Look at here. Triumphant. And you know, there's a lot of people that, I don't know, God's desire is that we stand for him. Our world is against him. Our world is increasingly against him. But the power of God is still present. I'm not ashamed of my God. I'm not ashamed of my God. He wants to do a work in this generation, and he's going to use us to do it. He's going to use us to do it. I turn with me to Ephesians chapter 1 real quick. Ephesians chapter number 1. Hallelujah. You see, whenever Herod heard the word of God, he didn't respond to it. It created in him a hard heart. He was willing to watch the preacher man die. And when, whenever you get around truth, whenever you get around the word of God, whenever you get around the spirit of God, let me, let me tell you this, as the Holy Spirit begins to move in a church, when God begins, when things begin to get set in motion, if you resist God, if you resist God, you set yourself up for a hardened heart. You set yourself up for a hardened heart. Well, I just don't like that, and I just don't like this, and I just don't like that. You better watch out. You see, Herod, he loved to hear the preaching, but once that preaching hit too close to home, he was done with it. He was done with it. And it hardened his heart. He became a Sadducee overnight. 
See, uh, I call a Sadducee, that's my lingo, it's my lingo, my lingo. A Sadducee is someone I believe that knows about God, but they don't know the power of God. They deny the truth of God. A lot of people are sad because they know formally about God, but they don't have a tangible presence of God in their life. They don't have a tangible presence of God. God's real. I'm not preaching to you pretense. I'm preaching to you a God of power. I'm not preaching to you something that you can just log in a book and log out. I'm preaching to you that God wants to do an effectual work in you. And then turn around and do it in others. There's power, power, wonder working power in the blood. Amen. Wonder working. Do you believe there's wonder working power? Do you believe there's wonder working power? Amen. Ephesians chapter one. Verse number 15, Paul said, wherefore, I also, after I heard of your faith in the Lord Jesus and love unto all the saints, cease not to give thanks for you, making mention of you in my prayers, that the God of our Lord Jesus Christ, the Father of glory, may give unto you the spirit of wisdom and revelation in the knowledge of him. What's the prayer? That God gives you the spirit of wisdom and revelation in the knowledge of who? Jesus. God wants to give you some revelation. What's that revelation going to do? You see it? God wants to give you revelation. The name Jehovah means the God who reveals. Jehovah Jireh. He revealed himself as my provider. Jehovah Nisi, he's revealed himself as my banner of victory. Jehovah Sidkenu, he revealed himself as my righteousness. Reveal means God wants you to know something. But why? So you can write a book? No. So that you can experience the power of God in your life. God wants to reveal to you so that you can experience the power of God in your life. He said so that you get the spirit of wisdom and revelation in the knowledge of Jesus. Revelation comes from knowing Jesus. One more time. Revelation comes from knowing Jesus. Verse 18. That the eyes of your understanding being enlightened, that you may know what is the hope of his calling and what the riches of the glory of his inheritance in the saints and what is the exceeding Greatness of his power to usward. Who believe? You see that? You see that clause right there? The reason why many people don't experience the power of God is because they don't believe. They don't receive. If you don't receive it and believe it, you won't experience the power of God. Many people, they can't get past the, when, when Jesus said, tarry in Jerusalem till you can do with power from on high, they can't get past Waiting on the Holy Ghost. And if you won't receive it and believe it, you won't experience it. You've got to get to the place where you say, Lord, if it's in that book, if it's by your spirit, I'm down with it. 
If it's in that book and by your spirit, I'm with that. God's with it. His people are with it. It's time for us to get with it. He says right there, he said that 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 power is there. Look at this in verse 19. The greatness of his power to us were who believe according to the working of his mighty power, which he wrought in Christ when he raised him from the dead. What power? The same power that raised up Jesus from the dead. Wait a second. Pastor, are you telling me that the same power generator that raised up Jesus from the dead is available to me? Little old me? I I can't walk right. I can't talk right. I certainly don't look right. You mean the same power that raised up Jesus from the dead is available in my life? Yes, that's exactly what God's telling you. That's exactly what God's telling you. You need power to forgive. You need power to overcome an addiction. You need power to let go. You need power in your life. That's where it comes from. It comes from God. And it's the very same power that raised up Jesus. It is available to us who believe. Some of us in here tonight, you need to go ahead and start walking by faith. Stop walking by sight. Receive the word of God and begin to experience the power of God in your life. Power. Power. Wonder-working power. What does the word power there mean? It means dynamite. The Greek word is dunamos. It means it's an explosive power. How many of you know dynamite has to be set off? Amen. Dynamite has to be set off. I've done that before. I, I used to do electrical work in, in the mountains of Arkansas. And, and, and we were running uh, power lines. And how many of you know you can't dig with a shovel in the mountains? We had to go and we had to drill holes in the mountains. And they would, every so many feet, put dynamite down in there. Boom, 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 boom. But you know that dynamite didn't do a thing until it got ignited. Dynamite didn't do one cotton-picking thing until it got ignited. Once they hit the button, you better duck. I mean, they had that thing and it was... And when they hit it, the whole ground shook. It looked like an earthquake. The whole ground just lifted up and set back down, and it was all busted up. Listen, those hard places were broken. Listen, you've never seen a rock so hard as on one of those mountains. I mean, you'd burn up drill bits trying to get through that stuff on your own. But it took dynamite. And what's that dynamite ignited in that rocky mountain? It was nothing. It was nothing. And I want to tell you, there's hard places in our lives. Some of us, we've got issues. Some of us, we've got hang-ups. Some of us know people that have issues. Some of us know people that's got hang-ups. But the dunamis power of God, the dynamite of God will blow up every hard place 
There was a time in my life I had a hard heart for God, but somehow, some way, somebody had the audacity to preach me the truth under the anointing of God, and that dunamis power set a set a blew a hole right in through me. Amen. Every hard thing in me was just exploded, and I was nothing. I was undone before God. I knew I was a sinner. I knew I needed a Savior. I thought I had it all together until then. But that dunamis power of God just blew all those hard places up, and I knew I needed to be saved. And that's when God came down, changed my life, filled me up, amen, and set me out. What our world needs is it needs men and women of God that know the power of God, that have been touched by the power of God, that knows the power of God is effectually working in them, that knows that the same power that raised up Jesus from the dead is alive inside of me, and that that power is what our generation needs. That wonder-working power. I never had enough power to even stop smoking cigarettes. But once I got a hold of God and God got a hold of me, gone. Gone. Every single hurdle God brings me up to, the same power of God that saved me at the beginning, the same power of God that filled me with the Holy Ghost, that same power of God knocks every single hurdle out the way. Every time I feel like I'm in a situation, I I feel closed in and I don't know how I'm going to get out and this thing's just bigger than me. I've got a God bigger than it. I've got a God bigger than it. And the power of God that that is greater than your situation, the power of God that's greater than your adversary, the power of God that's greater than your season, the power of God that's greater than your sickness is alive inside you. Power is available to usward, the caveat, who believe. Who believe. See, I started this because over there in in the book of Thessalonians, Paul was commending the church because they received the word for what it was. It's the word of God. And that word of God, he said, it brings an effectual working. Many of us, we, we, we just give trivial thought to the words of God. And I'm not condemning anybody here. I'm just, that's just human nature. That's why Jesus would always say, he that has ears to hear, let him hear. What did he mean? He means, listen, guys. Listen, let this sink down into your heart. Let this get down into your soul. I'm not just telling you a story about a fish I caught. I'm telling you something that can be dynamite inside you. I'm telling you something that can, that, that can send into operation the dynamite power of God. He said that that's available. It says that you can know the exceeding greatness of his power to usward who believe according to the working of his mighty power. That power is available for our generation. How many of you know our generation needs that? Our generation needs that power. Same God, same Holy Spirit, same power, but this generation needs some John the Baptists. Right? How are you going to receive the word? How are you going to believe if nobody preaches? What are you going to believe if nobody, if everybody's too afraid of this generation to preach the truth, who's going to believe? What are they going to believe? 
Well, I can't say that because, you know, they might not like me. They may cancel me. They may block me. They may not like me. It may be awkward when I see them next time. Okay. But how are they going to get changed if we don't tell them the truth? How are they going to experience the power of God if they don't receive the Word of God? You can't. The avenue to the Word of God, the avenue to the power of God is the Word of God. And it's the Spirit of God that does the application. I want to tell you that we serve a living God. I've seen God take a, I'm not even talking about myself right now. I always talk about drunks, right? But I've seen God take a drunk and turn him into a minister of God. Like that. I've seen a man come to his end and, and get a word from God. And received that word of God, and I've seen God break chains off this man in a moment of time. And I've seen God do deliverance in people in, in prison. I've seen God move in the gifts of the Spirit more in, in prison walls than I have in some churches. Because when you're, when you're receiving the word, the power's there. When you're receiving it, the power's there. But when you're not receiving the word, there's no power there. I was in one church service in a prison and every single person that came up, a, a, a manifestation of the Holy Ghost came. One or the other, just manifestation of the Holy Spirit. Every single prisoner had an on-time, literal manifestation of the Holy Ghost. Why? Did they drink Kool-Aid that day? They believed. They received the word. They believed it. And if you'll just simply believe, did you know that without faith it's impossible to please God? Without faith it's impossible to receive from God. God has for you power, dunamos power, and it says it's to us word who believe. And if you'll take a step of faith and believe, I don't know what you need power in. I don't know the situation of your life, but I know where the power comes from. And if you need the power of God in your life, if you'll take a step of faith, God will meet you there. God will meet you there. Lord, we bless you tonight and we thank you for the opportunity to hear the word of God. I thank you, Lord, that you don't slumber and you don't sleep. Thank you, Lord, that you've not retired. I thank you, Lord, that the same power that raised up Jesus from the dead is available in every person's life that's in this room. Lord, some of us, we need some help. Some of us have been battling issues, and Lord, we, we need help. I just thank you so much, Lord, that that power is available. That same power, that resurrection power is available tonight. And God, I thank you for that. If you're here tonight, you need a touch from God. Would you lift up your hand so I can pray with you? Thank you, Lord. 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 Thank you, Lord.
Father, you see the hands lifted tonight. I thank you, Lord, for the wonder-working power of your blood. Lord, I pray as we open up these altars, Lord, as we open up these altars, Lord, that each person that comes, Lord, that we would just surrender ourselves afresh to you and receive, receive from you, God, what we need. Lord, I thank you in Jesus' mighty name. Amen. We need it just from God. I invite you to come forward at this time. Come to these altars and allow the Spirit of God to do what only he can do in your life.